And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Take us there, Sketch. Finger guns. That means we're, we're getting started. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Imitating Art, Season 2. At Imitating Art, we like to watch, dissect, and other verbs, movies, and uh, see what kind of life lessons they have to offer uh, that we can apply to our own lives. And today, we're taking it back to Episode 1 of Season 1. We're talking about goodwill hunting, but we're going to do it even better. Yeah. And... Uh, season two, I guess you know we're not introducing ourselves. No, I guess we're not. I mean, I, you yeah. you all you all know who we are. Who's if listening you, to season two? I'm done. If, if you've gotten through 52 episodes, you already know I'm Chuck. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's us, and uh, this is our 53rd episode. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that makes a year in American measurement. And yeah. uh, how, how do they measure weeks in Europe? I think uh, with with uh, baguettes, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, so pretty. It's it is pretty crazy in a way that it's been a year. I both in some ways, as I've said before, that seems like it's been longer <laughs> at times. And I know we started recording these a little before we posted our first one, but it does seem like like time has been so weird over the past year with lockdowns and COVID and everything. It's just pretty cool that we were able to maintain a, a weekly schedule despite ourselves <laughs> we managed to get every episode out uh, once a week yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there was one we got out on wednesday but i think that was oh, because really? you were having computer troubles and couldn't uh, okay. either couldn't edit or couldn't upload i think one week we were two episodes ahead and then after that it was pretty much just <laughs> Friday recording and Tuesday posting. <laughs> we started like four episodes ahead. Well, yeah, we had we definitely had high hopes and aspirations for how far ahead we would stay. But um, I was just looking back at the like our our list, just you know, fifty two movies or fifty movies, I guess, because we did like two other episodes, like uh, recap episodes. But looking back at some of those early ones, it seems so long ago that we like talked about parasite and had chanel on to talk about the hate you give and yeah it's just it's crazy to see how many things we've covered i see that also after we did the double say anything high fidelity episode we decided to never return to that format i i mean (laughs) we should it's just never occurred to me what we should do with it yeah and i mean i'm not totally against the format uh but again with considering how close we usually cut it it's usually like we're watching the movie the day before and then there's probably not another two hours in there <laughs> to watch another movie mm-hmm. and talk about it well that's just because we're procrastinators all that means is that the night before will be the procrastination of movie one yeah no it's but but it's I'm, I'm i'm happy i'm happy to say that we've made it a year and i'm excited to to see where we go from here yeah we can at least do it another few weeks yeah yeah fingers crossed season two uh mm-hmm. writer strike is uh is looming Mm, (laughs) and uh instead of that actually we're gonna add something to the podcast at least for now we have a little uh little something extra coming for you this week or next week this week this week for the listeners this week for the (laughs) listeners wait you've ruined the illusion (laughs) they think that we're talking to them live (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but do you have uh do you have a favorite episode do you think 
I think Promising Young Woman was probably one of the best conversations we had. Hmm. I like doing that one a lot. I yeah, I I did enjoy that one a lot too. I um I really I mostly remember the one that jumps out at me always is Joker. Just because we got to like go down so many avenues of talking about mental health and things like that and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But there was there were the some tribe, good ones. The in Chicago there. Seven. Basically any of the really topical ones were fun ones to record. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've done we've covered a pretty wide variety of movies and I'm happy to see that has like not stopped over time, you know, we've been doing like indie or bigger movies and uh you know, movies that feature people of color, people of uh that aren't like us as we saw in the beginning that we were like leaning toward a lot of those movies even though we went right to Fight Club last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the past few weeks has been like Fight Club, Truman Show. Well, it was uh, Ma Rainey. We did that one. Um, ah, yeah, that was only a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but yeah, we've, we've. I, I did notice at one point we were like, uh, Inception, Truman Show, Fifth Element. Maybe we should uh, branch out. I don't think uh, Percy vs. Goliath counts because they were Canadian. Hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's if if there's one if there's one thing that I think we should continue doing into the into this season, it's continuing to look outside of the the comfortable genres that we've you know we've come to know yeah i, I so, agree uh to kick that off we can talk about goodwill hunting yes <laughs> uh definitely one of our one of our favorite movies and a movie that i think uh deserved more than we gave it with episode one yeah we didn't know what we were doing so uh, yeah i i give us a break on that one yeah so several months ago, we decided if we made it to a year, we would do Goodwill Hunting again, but better. Yeah. And that's, uh, well, you know. I'm still crossing you know what, my you, fingers. You know what they say, uh, under promise and over deliver. So uh, I think we've already set ourselves up for failure here. So let's dive right in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, if, unless, you, unless you had anything else to say about uh, about the first season. I think it stands on its own. <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Um, yeah, good good wanting. The uh the movie where I learned where uh in Boston there are about five people with a Boston accent. Uh and they and they all hang out with Matt Damon. <laughs> Despite what people might say about the authenticity of the accents and the quality of the acting of certain Ben Afflecks in the movie. Uh, certain Afflecks in general in the movie, I guess. <laughs> it, it's still like, it's a comforting movie. Like there's something comforting about watching this movie. Like yeah. even though, you know, you know everything that's going to happen, but it still makes me like emotional every time I watch it. Yeah. Well, we know everything that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the two of us do. We've watched it many times. And I don't think you'll find many people who will argue, who will argue with you if you say Casey Affleck is the better actor. <laughs> in this movie, yeah. Of, in general. Or in general, yeah, you're probably right. I've seen Gone Girl. He was Ben Affleck was fine in Gone Girl. Like there are movies where he's where he does a good job, but overall. Wait, was Ben Affleck in Gone Girl? Yeah. You're Wait, thinking which of one was, which, Gone Baby Gone. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I think Ben directed that one. I think um, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, the way Casey Affleck plays his character is just. I mean, he's like. He's a like kind of a 
a nerd that's like kind of just stupid. You know, he's he's a little stupid, but he's mostly just like silly, and he plays it up very much. Whereas Chucky becomes like more of a central focus, so you get to focus on his lack of uh, acting ability a little more often. <laughs> but he yeah. does like when he plays it up, it really works better. I think. Yeah, uh, Casey's character, who I can't remember the name of. Uh, he's just the one that all the other guys get to shit on the entire movie. Oh yeah, he's totally the guy that like <laughs> they they throw things at and mess with and I and and I mean at one point in the movie they're like have have you seen like he can he can actually fight he's like he's scrappy he won't back down he gets people try to kick his ass every week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chucky do, puts do you, his do, burger on layaway. Yeah, that's a great scene. <laughs> do you want to uh, do a brief recap of the 1997 contender for best picture? Yeah. So the movie that should have won best picture in '97 uh, is about uh, this young man, Will, played by Matt Damon, who uh, he's a troubled youth. Uh, he grew up in in foster families. Uh, he was heavily abused uh, as a child and grew up in a poor neighborhood uh with his friends essentially just getting in and out of legal trouble uh his entire life kind of acting out because of his upbringing uh he's very guarded because of it but secretly he's a secret genius and uh he has lots of talent with remembering and understanding like uh complex content concepts uh and at his job uh at MIT where he's a janitor uh there's a very brilliant math professor who issues a challenge to his students he puts a very complicated uh equation on the board and challenges any of his uh students to solve it one day it seemingly magically gets solved and no one comes forward to uh to claim it but of course it's will he discovers it's will that it's this janitor he hunts him down finds out he's in legal trouble again because he got into a fight and offers basically to get him out of jail if he will do math with him and and let him kind of coach him and i know you're laughing don but that's pretty much exactly what he says do the math see a therapist and you don't have to go to jail no i know um, i mean you're you're describing it well it just sounds funny when you're like you can get out of jail if you do math with me yeah i know well i mean <laughs> and will laughs at him when he says it but so none of the therapists that he gets uh court-ordered therapists can help will because he's so guarded and fights with anyone trying to get close to him or try to understand him uh until he lands on uh the professor gerald lambo's uh friend from college uh sean played by Robin Williams, who is willing to take on Will. He meets him once, kind of completely understands what's going on with him, sees he's actually a good kid and kind of wants to, to reach him. And so a lot of the movie is about Sean trying to help Will come come out of his shell, actually learn about the world and not just from a book and realize he has something to offer. Uh, meanwhile, he meets a young woman named Skylar, played by Minnie Driver, and they start up a, a relationship. So the the movie is really about the relationships Will has and the way it's kind of, each one is kind of breaking down his, his walls throughout the story. Yep. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean that was a that was a good a good recap. They basically, you know, go through his relationship with everybody, and you know, kind of at the end, he'll end up uh, changing quite a bit because of all the people around him. And uh, yeah, so I mean, at at the very start, he's like a, just a scrappy South Boston kid hanging out with his friends. Also, they all look so young in this, <laughs> and it yeah. does feel way more for some reason like watching them as like as the kids that they are in the movie mm-hmm. as like as an older person like it's it's kind of interesting like looking at them now where they don't feel like my peers anymore they feel like the younger version of themselves mm-hmm. and uh yeah and he's just like hang, he he's just hanging out with his friends he just loves to just spend his days with his friends and they end up getting into like fist fights and you know, they, he's preoccupied with this math problem all of a sudden would, and he unusually like leaves the bar that he usually spends all his time with, with his friends and just goes home to work on this problem, which is like the first time he's been like snapped out of that zone of, you know, just wanting to like kind of screw around and drink with his buddies. Yeah. And you get that classic scene of him with like a marker trying to map out the equation on a mirror. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think the slightly more iconic shot is of him reading a book, <laughs> uh, which he takes up. Yeah. Which he takes about two oh. and a half seconds per page. Yeah. Just flipping through. Yeah. And, um, maybe, I, I don't know if you know anything about this. I didn't look up anything, but like, you know, there was like kaleidoscopic kind of scenes in the, in the intro. And then they do it again, like later when they're having like that flashback scene. Yeah. Is there any is there anything to that or is it just kind of like a, Hey, look what I can do with this filter. And it looks kind of cool on screen. I mean, it might be, maybe, maybe it's, uh, the, the multifaceted picture. Uh, this one picture is all these other little pictures. I don't know. Hmm, maybe I, I, I would, uh, that was just, that's nothing important. It's just something that I thought was like, I, w- I wonder if they have like a reason to do that. No, I mean, it's a good question because um, the rest of the movie is shot very simply. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there's not many like unusual shots in this movie. Um, but speaking of that, I, I do like some of the things that they do, whereas they, they keep will separated and they keep him alone a lot in these shots. Like he's always riding the train very early in the morning. I think it's always early in the morning, but he's like the only one on the T riding, riding to work. He's in a, in a car by himself. Um, he's alone in the hallway, buffing the floors. And then similarly at, at the end of the movie, when he's like waiting for his job interview, he's just sitting at that giant couch just by himself. So there's so many of these shots where he is just isolated and by himself. And I think that really does kind of pull out the, the, the feeling that he is alone or feels alone. Yeah, well, I was going to say it's cool that you point that out because I hadn't noticed that. But the examples you give are specifically worlds in which he secretly wants to belong but doesn't feel that he does. Like at MIT and at that uh, job interview and, you know, places where that will challenge him in the way that he actually wants to get challenged, which is using his brain. But he he has no confidence in that and doesn't think that, uh, you know, just a poor kid like him uh, belongs there yeah and he does like they he, fo- they he does focus on the money part of uh of uh skylar later so like that's the thing that separates them like he is clearly 
more gifted than she is as far as like memorization and understanding of concepts, but she has the money to be able to go to a place like this. And similarly, when he has the argument in the bar with the ponytail guy. Yeah. One of the great movie douches. Yeah. uh, Amazing, amazing scene. But like they had that argument and he's like, oh, you'll find out you dropped 150 grand on an education. You could have gotten a dollar 50 in late fees at the library. And he's like, yeah, but at least I'll have a degree. And like that kind of sits there and he's like, yeah, but I won't be on original. So Will gets like the last like punchy mm-hmm. line in, but the guy is right. He will have a degree that's going to get him places. Who knows if it's where he wants to be like deep down. We don't follow that guy, but <laughs> he does have a thing that will unlock things in the future that a lot of other people that are from South Boston and don't have Will's talent can't get. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, he gets uh, killed in Goodwill Hunting 2 hunting season. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just referenced that the other day. Uh, I don't because think I course. like them apples, Will. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's the secret. This is actually Goodwill Hunting too that we're reviewing. <laughs> I, I I was thinking we should actually do that. We shouldn't, <laughs> but um, uh, but I'm glad you brought up that bar scene where uh, you know the the douche is just trying to one up Chucky simply because he can like Chucky's not even in his conversation he's just trying to flirt with a couple of girls at a a Harvard bar and yeah and this douche just sees someone who completely is out of their element feeling comfortable there and just chatting up a couple girls that he probably thinks of as the people he should be flirting with yeah and so just uh interjects himself into the conversation to try to shame Chucky and Will steps in and says, no, you stole this idea from this book, from this page from this book. And, yeah. you know, just completely shuts the guy down. But I feel like that's an important scene, not just because it's literally the most iconic scene from the movie. But um, it's also showing that Will is just as good at avoiding a fight as he is at getting into one if he yeah. choo- if he chooses to do so. Because uh, anywhere else, he would have just pulled that guy outside and, and beat him up. Uh, but once he realized he didn't have to do that to stop this guy, he used his brain. Yeah, yeah and there's a couple things that kind of go along with that that make me... like Speaking of uh, douchey Harvard guys uh, that think that they should get whatever they want, uh, Gerald Lambeau is a giant creep right from the start. Oh, and yeah. he's hitting on all of his students. And he's just, but he's used to getting what he wants and walking into a room and being the most important guy there. And it really shows like he really kind of embodies that. And, um, and you mentioned, uh, Will like taking that, like he can get out of a fight or he can get into a fight as easily as he can avoid one. But he, when he's in the courtroom later, like we haven't quite gotten to the, around to it yeah, yeah but he when he's when he's in the courtroom talking to the judge i always love that he's able to like use his intelligence to talk his way out of this situation like he can quote some obscure passage in legal history and get his case thrown out most of the time which the judge says directly to him and he's like well this time you hit a cop you're going into jail but after he says that's it you're going to jail and he slams his gavel the last scene before they leave the courthouse is just Will saying thank you mm-hmm. and walking away. Like he just accept his, accepts his fate. And I love that he is able to like just 
take that impulse control and realize that he did his best. Yeah. It, and, and he just has to face the consequences. Yeah. He also knows that there's absolutely nothing he can do in a courtroom. Well, like, sure. His, his yeah. fists can't, can't get him out of that one. Well, right. But people with poor impulse control don't always work logically. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Will is very good at understanding what fights he can and can't win. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and speaking of actual fights, the fight that they got into that landed him in, in the, uh, courtroom scene in the first place, like that, like really is the first introduction to these four friends here, even though they have no dog in the fight, really will beat the shit out of each other or other people for one of the other ones. If he says that guy beat me up in kindergarten, they'll fight, they'll find him on the street and get out of the car and start a fight with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it- like it solidifies that like family friendship thing. Yeah. As soon as Will spots him on the street, he, he you know, Chucky's driving. He's like, wait, wait, wait. And Ch- Chucky like stops. He's like, what are we doing? You know? Do you yeah, see yeah. Do, do, he do was you see him? like, are you sure about this? Yeah. I don't know about this one. Will. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and even threatens, uh, Casey Affleck's character. He was like, you're getting out. You're getting out yeah. of the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And case. And, uh, yeah. And what's his name? Uh, Morgan just wants to sit in the back of the car and eat, eat his double burger. <laughs> but um so the old I, I feel like this this movie like holds up as far as like it doesn't feel dated except for those cop cars in that scene <laughs> like those old square cop cars from the 90s really or the holdovers from the 80s really kind of make it feel like keystone cops yeah some of the clothes and uh, probably the clothes yeah but i mean that all that's all cyclical matt damon's hair Actually, some of his clothes is pretty terrible. Like yeah. that weird tan and white striped shirt he was wearing. It's, when I, when I was like watching it, when bib. Alex and I were watching it last night, I was like, I hate this shirt. I do. I hate that. That's, That's a that terrible the one I just shirt. Yes. Yeah. It's a terrible shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but outside of like in between these scenes, one of my favorite things that this movie does is like it just it's kind of just like a portrait of Boston. Like you can tell it's made by people who are from there and who know the area and like they show all these places and it, and it, it, it kind of does paint a portrait of the differences, differences between like South Boston and the kind of like more rundown areas. And then you always kind of see the city looming in the background versus when they're on MIT, it's like manicured lawns and beautiful buildings and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they have like little shots of like churches and there's always a, like a church in the shot almost. And, uh, and that's just very common in Boston. You see that everywhere. Um, but I love that those street scenes and also like the interior bar scenes just feel realistic and not like, it doesn't feel like they're sitting in a place with a bunch of extras. It just feels like people are fucking around playing darts and like they're actually doing stuff. It it feels like you're immersed inside of like a real bar with college students. Yeah. Except the music's not loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to hear the dialogue. Yeah. The, bar, the bars are very polite in that way. <laughs> oh, it's dialogue. You have to, you have to hear. Oh, they're shooting a scene. Let's turn the music down. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that. Um, so in in that bar scene, first of all, it's Skyler who approaches Will. Will at the end, yeah. Yeah, Will doesn't actually say anything to her because uh, that's not why he was doing it. Um, yeah, and he probably again feels out of place there. But her first words to Will are, "You're an idiot." Uh, <laughs> what? Which is, I just. Uh, because you know he didn't come over and, and flirt with her but i just like that for someone as as brilliant as will probably one of the best ways to intrigue him is for someone to call him an idiot <laughs> if she just said hey i'm skylar <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah. On the on the on the other side, Chucky is being his absolute silliest in that scene. Like I said, like when, we, when he plays that up, that's when he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> when he does that kind of like checks his hair and like points at a guy who's not there yeah. on the other <laughs> side of the of the room as if <laughs> he's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going? I'm here all the time." Yeah. And then waits. I love his move of standing near them and waiting for them <laughs> to talk to him. <laughs> like when one of them laughs or something and he's like, "Oh, hi." <laughs> and like he just he really does just like smoothly work his way into conversation with them yeah well it's not super smooth they start well, it's not super smooth but he is not at all phased by them laughing at him yeah i was gonna say they laugh at him before he even starts talking to him <laughs> yeah yeah and then, i mean it seems like they're into him for a second like you know they're they they appreciate the 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 effort that he's putting in before ponytail shows up yeah um uh but speaking of people being out of place um like when when Professor Lambo is trying to find the janitor who solved the equation, uh, they go to you know the, like the facilities room or wherever. Yeah, uh, the grounds and maintenance is. or whatever. Yeah, and you know they walk in and it's obviously like this blue collar, almost like workshop area, and yeah. he's trying to talk to whatever the the manager, whatever you want to call him, and. They're just kind of like they don't care who he is, and his TA is like, "This is Professor Lambo." And, yeah, this is Professor Hayes. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and Lambo just even kind of like waves him off. He's like, "Yeah, this isn't." They don't. Not the time. They don't care. Read the <laughs> they, room. They clearly don't care. Yeah. Um, Read the room, lapdog. And I just like because you hadn't seen Lambo in a situation where no one cared who he was yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at least he had the he. At least he was like aware that he was in a place where his name's not getting him anywhere. Yeah. Um. But you know, Doctor Kelso's lapdog there didn't really seem to seem to get that. Um. And I know we mentioned that last time we talked about this, but that's that is all I can think of when I see that guy. Stedman? Yes. Is that his name? Yes. Dr. Stedman. <laughs> I'm a tool. That's all I'm I a can... tool. Woof. I'm a tool. I'm a tool. <laughs> yes. Uh, and right, real quick before we go, before we move on, the, the scene where Casey Affleck swallows a bug <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> I love that they left in the, <laughs> left that in the final cut. Uh, I don't think he actually swallowed a bug. He did. Did he? Well, at least that's, that's what I've, I've I've seen that quite quite a few times where they talk about the fact that he like actually like got something in his mouth and they just continued filming there oh. and they they ended up using it. Oh, it it just seems like his excuse to extricate himself to let Skylar and Will talk. Yeah, and it worked. But I mean, they they must have cut it in in a way that worked because they definitely I've heard and multiple times and I always laugh at that scene even more when I see it because it's <laughs> because I know it's real now. Yeah, it it really reads as like him just being like a, a good. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, a good, wing a good man. wingman, a good guy. Yeah, uh, we could go eat some caramels. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've talked about how Lambo is used to holding the power of the room, but so is Will. Um, mm-hmm. Will is very obviously used to being either the strongest person in the room or being the smartest person in the room, and then he meets Sean. Yeah, who I was gonna say, Sean is the only person who can talk take him away from that yeah feeling who might not necessarily be smarter than him in book smarts but is way more wise but he's also i really like that uh sean is physically stronger than will though there's that great moment in their first meeting where 
Yeah. Will's like, oh, how much do you bench? And Sean answers and asks Will how much he benches. And instead of answering, Will finds something else to talk about, especially something he can focus on that he can put Sean down for. Yeah. And again, just try to take the power back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and Sean can also take the power away from Lambo too. Like he's the only one who can do that to both of those characters. Totally, and it's like that whole Sean intro scene is just so good for so many reasons. Like it's already af- it's after the psychologist parade of him like screwing with the other psychologist, so he's like ready. You know, he's primed and ready to screw with another one yeah. just to you know stick it to Gerald. <laughs> after he tells like the other guy who tried to hypnotize him that. He doesn't need therapy. He tells Jerry, Gerald, like, I don't need therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. which is very common for people who need therapy to say that. Um, But, like, I love that it starts right off with him kicking out Lambo and his TA. Like, and even Lambo at that point thinks that he's just kicking out the TA. And then he's like, no, you too, Jerry. You got to go. Like, from the beginning, I was amazed that they were having therapy sessions with those guys in the room. (laughs) So... He's already being more professional than the others instead of like bowing down to Lambo's like power or whatever. Yeah. But well, the others are also like chummy with Lambo. Well, right. Yeah. And, and they have, and Sean and Lambo have this history that, you know, he's not going to let him like push him around or anything. And he also has the personality that he's not going to let him push him around. Yeah. Well, also, so since they're chums of, of Lambo's, they're, they're doing a favor for him, not necessarily trying to help Will. Where right, Sean, right. a good therapist, uh, is more interested in in helping a, a troubled person. I think I hear. I think I heard a meme coming. Um, so, <laughs> I yeah, but I and but their their dynamic right off the bat, like it's so confrontational, and you know he's able to diffuse and put down all these like things that that Will's throwing at him. Like Will is posturing so hard, trying to be like the tough guy and the guy that knows it all, and Sean just won't let it happen. He's like he he'll play he plays along with the whole thing until he offends his wife. Yeah, and then I think like that great scene, of course, yeah, with his but, hand around his neck, pushing against the wall. Like I think that right there is what like started out endearing Sean to Will because it's like, oh, this is that's kind of shit that I would have done for yeah. somebody that I care about. Yeah, because it, it's important to note they have similar backgrounds. They're from the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and you find out later that uh, Sean was also abused by his father. Yeah. And so he probably got into just as much trouble. Yeah, but neither of them really know any of that yet. It's about each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so you're probably right that uh, once Will gets to see a little bit of himself in Sean, that's probably when he starts uh, warming up to him in a way, even though he's still confrontational until it just becomes too awkward of a silence and he needs to talk. Yeah, and I mean that's this, you know. But I mean that's totally a that totally could be a will move to like just punch somebody who said some something about his girlfriend or his friend or whoever. Oh yeah, whoever he thinks needs you know his protection or whatever you want to call it. But like he he calls out that his painting, which is a guy alone in a boat, which like once again <laughs> will is just <laughs> alone in a lot of these scenes. Sean is alone, like. Sean lives alone. He doesn't have a wife anymore. Uh, his wife's dead, and he lives alone. And he's kind of like off to the side. He's not in this academic, like um, upper echelon, like uh, like Gerald Lambeau is. And like so, he's kind of 
off to the side as well, much like Will is. Yeah, he teaches he in a community feels. college. Right, and even though like I feel like he truly does ap- uh, appreciate what he's doing and does it as a choice, he probably also does feel a little bit alone like as far as being like the most intelligent guy in the room a lot of the times, even when he's in the room with Lambo. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> at he least, probably feels alone in that way. At least they're smart in different ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Yeah, Lambo has Lambo has more of the manipulative smarts, yeah. unfortunately. Well, also he has like he he's smart at math, but he doesn't get people. Whereas Sean gets people, and he probably doesn't understand the math nearly as well. Right. Yeah, um, I noted that there's a lot of Elliot Smith on the soundtrack. Also, and oh yeah, a lot of a lot of the like transitional scenes reminded me of something that could have been from Garden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Gus Van Sant uh, is a big Elliot Smith fan. Yeah, and it, and it works. It works nicely. It's, for some reason, it's something that like does not. It's not a part that I really remember about it though. Like going into it this time, I was like, "There's a lot of these like kind of chill music, like transitional scenes that feel a little off from the the rest of the tone of the movie. Like it do, it doesn't take away from it, but it feels like it's a very big shift in tone to those like calm scenes where he's sitting on a train looking out the window, and then back to like the confrontational scene that comes up next i I, nothing struck me as feeling outside of the tone of of the rest of the movie but teach their own oh i didn't think it was like i and i didn't think it it was a a a bad choice or anything it was more like i feel like there's something something more there like with with taking the tone down here but then like ramping it right back up when he gets out of the the alone scene and back into people where he's probably going to put his, put his guard back up, you know, Eh, peaks and valleys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was musing about, cause Alex asked and I didn't really have an answer. So I was trying to think about it, uh, while watching it of why does Will like Skylar? Cause there's, Nothing immediately apparent that seems like they go well together. But then I started thinking as I was watching it, um, she's smart like him, but she's rich. She's scared of the future, but she's still willing to try things and and decide about her future, even though she doesn't know what the outcome's going to be, which is kind of brave for someone yeah. like Will. And uh, even though she's rich and and very intelligent she's also extraordinarily comfortable with the the poor blue collar guys you know will's friends and like she can can hang with them too and like she can straddle the worlds which is something will wants to do but doesn't think he can right and uh like he doesn't believe he can do it but she does believe that he can do it so i think that might be why he's attracted to her other than her being mini driver Sure, and I, yeah, I think that's I think that's all right. I was and I was I was gonna say before you before you mentioned it that he, you know, what the scene in the bar I feel like solidifies it like the second scene in the bar where she he brings her back yeah and like she tells the joke and it's great give and us like, a kiss and I feel like she's like right up here with them like she's on their level she's laughing at the stupid stuff they're saying she's able to hang she wants to drink but she's also smart and she's a mini driver you know so yeah. <laughs> I mean you got she's got a lot going for her and. Just the fact that she cares about him and she seems to care about him. Like, I think he's like letting his guard down a little, just, just enough that he's able to kind of like maybe start to see, let somebody in Yeah, and for now. And 
she doesn't want to be the one to change him. Like, she realizes that he needs stuff that needs fixing, but she doesn't really try to fix it. She just tries to talk to him about it so that he can work it out himself. Yeah, and much like the therapy Sean is trying to do with him, he is not, like, he's he is just going to push her away when it comes to something like that. Yeah, because he, he can't handle change. Like, yeah. you know, the scene he's looking... where she's trying to get him... Talk, just just talk to him about moving to California. She's yeah. She just says that you know I want you to come to California, and then it turns into this big fight because again Will just doesn't have the confidence to make a decision like that. So he yeah. immediately turns it into an attack on him so that he can attack her. Yeah, and he's so defensive about everything. Yeah, he just he'll look he'll look for anything to push back against somebody and just you know push them away. And like Sean says later, he's looking for any reason to push somebody away, leave somebody before they can leave him, basically, mm-hmm. because he has abandonment issues. And even though he knows this intuitively or he knows this in his head, he still can't stop himself from acting on that psychological issue he has. Yeah, He even says, what if we get to California and you get tired of me and then I have nothing? Yeah, he's like, then I'm going to be alone in California. <laughs> And you're going to be off doing whatever you're doing. Um, so Sean takes a stab at a lot of this stuff after the scene on the scene where they're sitting at the bench, which is definitely one of the best scenes. Uh, not only because of the content, but because of the long shot of Robin Williams uncut, just telling him. I had a hard time sleeping when I thought about you saying what you said about my wife, and then I realized you're just a something kid. and fell into a deep slumber. Yeah. Basically, you're just a kid. Yeah, you don't know anything. You could tell me anything about love and, and war and everything else, but you've never experienced any of this stuff. You don't know what you know. You know what this art, who this, you know who Michelangelo is. You could tell me all about his paintings and his sexual orientation. But you couldn't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. And he goes through this whole list of things. Like, I've lived a life. I've had an experience. I've had experiences. I know what, like, what love is. I know what all these things are. And you've never, like, left Boston. And you're too afraid to, you know, take a chance with this girl. So, yeah, I'm not going to feel too bad about what you think about my life right now. Yeah. And there's nothing about you I can't learn in a fucking book unless you tell me. Right. Yeah, and I... I wrote down that it's like knowing versus knowing. Like you can know something, but not n- fully know it. And you can you can you can over you you can kind of understand something, but not truly feel it. Or you know, it's it's there's a totally different thing that comes along with having the tr- actual experience of having been there yourself. Like he says, like you can tell me about war, but you can't tell me what it's like to hold your best friend in your hand as he's dying. You know, like there's so many more visceral emotions that come with actually experiencing something versus reading about it, and you know that and that that's what will lacks in this situation. Yeah, I mean, it's a great scene. There's a reason that scene went went viral like 15 years after the movie came out. Yeah, because uh, it's still, and, it's just so true that 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 scene will never fade. You know. Yeah, and. The fact that Titanic won Best Picture <laughs> over this, that that scene alone should have won. Yeah. But uh, well. But anyway, I digress. It it won it won Robin Williams's Oscar. Yeah, that's good. But uh, 
but yeah, Sean is like, Sean's the only one that is empathizing with Will in a certain way, not, not just trying to like mold him or push him in a certain direction or like he's empathizing with him. He's seeing himself in Will mm -hmm. and he's, you know, he's, he's actually, you know, despite how confrontational the whole thing is, he's actually giving him respect. Mm -hmm. Like he's respecting Will by not like not not giving in to his attempt at starting a fight mm -hmm. so he's like actually like giving him the respect of like i'm not going to engage with you i'm going to just you know basically he's giving him almost like parody in a way that he's just gonna say like we're you know we're both people let's have a conversation i'm not gonna fight with you i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna defuse the situation and it takes him a really long time but he finally starts to get through to him yeah. And, and I mean, in that scene, he even tells Will, like, I think you're an intriguing person and I would love to know more about you. Yeah. Y you just have to be willing to tell me more about you. Right. Yeah. Right after he says what you, what you quoted a minute ago, like I, there's nothing about you that I can't read in a fucking book. He says, but if you want to tell me about you, if you want to open up and tell me about you, I'm there. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And this is actually a good, a, a good, uh, scenario where lambo comes in after one of their later sessions where like they didn't talk much or like they didn't get into what lambo hoped they would get into or talk about the future and he's trying to like micromanage uh sean's therapy sessions now so he's like he's so he is so arrogant that he's like telling sean how to do his job and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he 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 definitely has this like ego about him that he's like, well, why haven't you done it this? Why haven't you done it better? I'm giving you a a courtesy by letting you know that I'm going to start sending him on job interviews. And, you know, like he's he talks he he says that to him like he's asking for his advice. Yeah, but really he's like, well, I already did it, so I was this was just a courtesy call, basically. Yeah, and I mean they and they both have opposing but kind of simultaneously correct views about Will. Where Lambo is like, this kid is the kind of genius that can change the world. We just need to give him the opportunities to do it. And Sean is saying, well, yeah, but he's so troubled that, you know, that kind of troubled genius can really screw things up and, and yeah. destroy things if, 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 if you don't help him. And so we need to help him first before we can give him any real opportunities. Right. And yeah, you're, and you're right. They're both, they're both right. Just... Lambo has a little bit of a different end in his mind. Like he's almost like, uh, he's, he's, it's almost like he's looking at his kid and wants to like make, let him live out the life that he didn't get, you know, he wished he could have lived himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bit like, um, uh, JK Simmons character in, uh, whiplash where he wants to be the guy who found the genius. Right. He wanted to be bird, but he couldn't be. So he's trying to find his bird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So in one of those sessions, they're, uh, one of their middling sessions, he, they're talking about Skylar and why he hasn't called her back yet. And like when he says, I haven't called her back, uh, Sean calls him an amateur. And then like they have a little, little, little argument about how they don't, you know, how he doesn't know about how to talk to girls or whatever. Yeah. And I, I like uh, Will's just like 15 year old response of like, I get laid. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. He's definitely. I know what I'm doing. Definitely, his his defenses uh, know no bounds. But yeah. <laughs> Skyler, but he says Skyler's perfect in his head. In my Skyler's perfect in my head right now. Like, what if I find out later that you know this and this and this like might and and then that's gone. 
and then Sean goes through this whole thing about like the best part about being with somebody for 20 years was getting to know all those little imperfections that people call them, but that's not really what they are. That's the good stuff. Like it's something that you know that nobody else does. It's something that you have together. And he's like, I'm going to spoil it for you. Skylar's not perfect and neither are you, but you know, you got to go take a chance. Like, and then he does his, uh, he, he says, just, you know, go see about a girl thing where he talk when he talks about how he was at uh, game six or he had tickets to game six in the world series. Yeah. You had, you had tickets. I know we both love the the shot from above of the the four chairs in the office where it looks like a baseball diamond. Yeah. He's running around, <laughs> pushing people out of the way, and it's cutting back to the footage of the of Game Six. Yeah. But then when he finds out, I don't know. I wasn't. Oh, there. he wasn't actually there. I was told my friends I got to go see about a girl, and he was like, "Are you what? What kind of fucking friends do you have to let you get away with that?" Girl? <laughs> That's Game Six. I love his. Yeah, his like incredulous reaction to I gotta go see about a girl. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of friends are these? Yeah, and but like that sums up his character. So he's like, then that's why I'm telling you about my wife of twenty years and not some girl I wish I'd went and talked to at a bar one night <laughs> because I took the chance. And the the best like little cherry on top of that scene is at the very end when he's like, Would have been nice to see that game though, right? <laughs> Didn't know Pudge was gonna hit a homer. <laughs> that feels like such a real scene yeah. yeah you know every once in a while i'm sure sean is like man that would have been fun he, he, <laughs> he doesn't regret it but i guarantee you every once in a while especially when he's drunk and like he sees yeah. he sees the highlights on tv and he's like would have been great yeah when he's sitting at the bar with ted whoever the bartender is yeah <laughs> yeah and uh this is right around the time also when uh, when Will tells Skylar, he goes back to see Skylar again after getting this advice, uh, you know, kind of apologizes for being a, a tool and not calling her, and then, you know, proceeds to do her organic chemistry work for her, seemingly misunderstanding the fact that she actually needs to learn it for her career and for her job and just to pass school. Um, but he's a bit like, a little bit romantically, a little bit selfishly saying, oh, yeah. like, I can't wait. I can't wait to hang out with you. Come hang out with me because I'm ready now. Yeah. Yeah. But he also says, I have 12 brothers. <laughs> yeah. He's Irish Catholic. Yep. You seem like you're waiting for something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what I'd be waiting for. <laughs> Do you know their names? Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Oh, and Willie. Will. <laughs> uh, yep. This is still still one of my favorite things that you remember all this. Uh, <laughs> and you remember why I memorized it, right? No. It was just was it? it was just in case it was ever the final trivia. question at trivia. Yeah, because the, I was gonna say it's probably trivia related. Yeah, because the final but... question was always a ten part answer. It w- sometimes with additional possible answers, but you had to name at least ten. So I was like, if ever the question is to name Will's fictional 12 brothers, yeah. I want to be prepared. <laughs> and if anyone else had gotten that answer 100% right, I would have been like, bullshit, like the guy at the end of the <laughs> bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also the person who watched like eight or nine seasons of Friends just in case we ever watched Friends seen it. So. <laughs> 
That's probably one of the craziest things you've ever done. You watched like nine seasons of Friends without telling any of us, and then went to Friends trivia <laughs> or did no, no 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 we did Friends uh, Friends seen it. Well, that's the thing we just we so did you could kick our we ass. didn't play Friends seen it. So uh, after like six months, I was like, and you guys kept referencing Friends. So I was like, all right, I have to tell you. <laughs> I that's right. Did watch a bunch of Friends, and then within a couple of months, we played Friends seen it, and I won. So. Yep. So <laughs> your your plan worked, <laughs> but you you had probably seen so many of those episodes mo- more recently than I had. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to stop after a while, though. I stopped being into it. I understand. So yeah, that uh, speaking of the bullshit by a guy at the bar, that's when when Sean and Gerald go in there and they have their little conversation about like what you know what is the best for Will, and they each give their side, but like they have that great little exchange where they bring the bartender into into the scene and say you know do you know who einstein is okay do you know who gerald lambo is and he's like no i win he's like okay thanks i won the bet and then he asks who ted he he asks uh, lambo if he knows who ted kaczynski is because he was you know a scholar and a professor and he went to montana and blew the competition away i i find i i think we talked about it last year but i find it very hard to believe that someone gerald lambo's age who lived through the in 1996, Unabomber, yeah, uh, didn't know who Ted Kaczynski was because that was we know his name that was so well. National Not, news, yeah, that's it is strange, but um, yeah, who knows? But I mean, that, especially that, that since scene, Ted Kaczynski was a math genius, and that like that's Lambo an even better point would have known about it. But yeah. it's a movie. It, it feels very much like a movie moment, like written for the reveal that it's the Unabomber. But right, eh, well, whatever. the one. The one quote I liked from that, from Sean was saying like, or he, when, when Lambo says we have to give the boy direction and he's like, well, direction's one thing, manipulation is another, which really kind of shows you the different sides of what's going on there. Like Sean sees through what Lambo's trying to do and you know, they're, Sean's giving a little, a lot more leeway and like actually like starts to care about Will, whereas Lambo kind of sees him as a what he could be but not for him for not for will but for for lambo and for the math community or whoever yeah um and i I think it's important to note that both sean and lambo are how how do i put oh they they are like prime examples of unfulfilled potential like they, they they were both basically geniuses when they were in college and both just ended up becoming professors rather than professionals in their field um like lauded professionals in their field like lambo won a, a huge medal but after after that kind of petered out um right and so he became a lowly mit professor yeah but you know sean is comfortable with having unfulfilled potential because he had a fulfilling life yeah. uh, a personal life and lambo didn't and like he's still wanting to be known as the genius um yeah so like that's that's like really where their opinions about what to do with will diverge like mm-hmm. they're essentially both trying to give will what they wish they had when they were younger right but sean what sean needed when he was younger also just happens to be what will needs uh, at this point in his life yeah well and lambo also is definitely projecting a little bit there when he says something, when Sean says something about the Fields medal and he just like laughs and says, ah, is this about the Fields medal? You can have it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does that a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's pretty condescending. Um, ben Affleck gets to show off his chops once again when he gets to go to the uh, the high rise meeting with the uh, whatever Lambo set up for Will. Yeah. Uh, what does what does Will say? He said I sent my my understudy or something. Like uh, that. I, I can't remember what word he uses. But yeah, Ch- Chucky in that scene is just he's just. He's just on, and it's so good. He's he's having such a good time with it. Yeah. Retainer. <laughs> Are you saying you want us to give you cash right now? Allegedly. Your <laughs> situation for you would be heretofore improved if I had, say, $200 in my hand right now. <laughs> I like how like scrambly the the guy in the center gets, and he's like, uh, "I only have seventy five uh, bill. Do you have?" <laughs> I like, um, you suspect. You suspect. Um, <laughs> but there's uh, the guy on the right. I noticed when I was watching it last night that uh, he just had like the stone face of like, "What the hell is going on right now?" Yeah, the cuts that they do to those guys several times, where they're all just like what is happening <laughs> but they think he's will so uh they're like oh you know right they're giving him a little leeway because they're like well he's a genius maybe eccentric he's a genius yeah i guess he, we want this guy yeah it was it was a hilarious scene yeah uh it's clearly one of our favorites we've i mean we've referenced this movie a lot but we've referenced that movie or that scene specifically many times yep keep your ear to the grindstone <laughs> Which we referenced last week. <laughs> so yeah, so Will is, you know, comfortable-ish with Skylar, but then they end up, you know, breaking up basically because she finally like says, you know, I care about you and I love you and, you know, just talk to me, what's going on? And they have a fight because she's like, your brother, you know, he, she asked him about his brothers being real or... I don't remember how that came up, but yeah, she, they talk she, about a lot she of understands stuff. there's some lying going on, but she just yeah she wants to let us stop and to actually get to know him as a person. And yeah. but Will weaponizes his past and says, you know, yeah. do you want to see the scars? Do you want do you want me to tell you, you know, what my foster father did to me? Is is that what you want to know? And he's just yelling at her. She's crying. She's like, I, you know, I just I love you. I want you to be okay. Yeah. And he's just not ready to accept the love or open up to the point where he's able to give that yeah. back to her or like let her in that far. He doesn't think he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he kind of dumps it all out in an angry rage while punching the wall next to her being like, don't, don't fuck with me. Don't tell me that you want to see that you don't want to hear this shit. Like you don't want to hear that I was abused. You don't want to see the scars. And then when she says, if you tell me you don't love me, then, you know, I won't be in your life. I'll go away. And, like, he just looks at her dead cold. Yeah, definitely says, I don't love you. And then walks out. And, like, that's one of the most, like, heartbreaking scenes. Yeah. And then we don't see her anymore. <laughs> well, uh, he does call her a little later. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you get a, you get a brief. You get a brief look. Yeah. You don't see them together again, I should say. But... Luckily, uh, like Chucky helps Will see his potential in a nice little speech, but then uh, I think immediately after, Sean helps Will see that maybe he does deserve good things in in two also great iconic scenes. Yeah, 
but after after this breakup will does like spiral a little bit and like he goes to lambo's office and he's like starts complaining about the drive and he's like you know how fucking easy this stuff is for me like i can do this without even thinking about it and i gotta sit here and watch you like fumble over it and get everything wrong like he lashes out at lambo after this and it's a big difference from when they first started working together and they were doing their special high five while Lapdog looked on. Yeah. <laughs> is is that jealously by the way? Um yeah. is this also when Will like doesn't show up for his meeting with Sean and like Lambo calls this Sean? Is, this is after this is after that. Or I mean sorry, this is before that. Uh because they're still like this is when Will's actually there at his at Lambo's office and he burns the paper that he did and he's like oh yeah you're right i don't care about well, it no, i mean is this like the same sequence of oh yeah so yeah the, sequ- the sequence he doesn't he doesn't show up because he ends up going out with chucky and this is the sequence where yeah chucky has his speech um but when he's when he's in the um he tells sean that he broke up with with skyler and kind of gives him that and like sean's trying to trying to comfort him and also like prod a little bit but he doesn't he doesn't pry too far and Sean says, do you feel like you're alone? And he just asks him that question, like, straight up, do you feel like you're alone? Like, not just without Skylar, but, like, do you feel like you are alone, apart, and everything else? Yeah. And I think, like, Will kind of starts seeing some of those, some of the, some of the things fall from behind his eyes a little bit. Yeah. Well, because first he starts talking about his friends, Chucky and the others. They don't count their family. They'll, they'll yeah. just be there no matter what. Yeah, they're going to be there. Uh, <laughs> and then... When that's not a good enough answer, Will tries to list his friends as, you know, Shakespeare, Nietzsche, uh, all, mm-hmm. all, 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 all yeah. these writers. You know, not much of a dialogue yeah. there. They're dead. You, you, <laughs> you, you can't give back to them. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was actually a good a good way to to say that. Like, you can't give back to these people you're calling friends. Like, that's what a relationship is. You know, it's a give and take, and uh, and you don't get that with with authors that once again, that's Will knowing something through, you know, through not like, uh, reading something, but not having somebody who like gives to him or he can unload things to that isn't Sean, his therapist. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause w- when he lists those people, like he's not listing historians or people writing about math or anything like that. He's listing people who are writing about life and, love and emotions so things that they experience so you get just through that uh, you know i'm now thinking will is reading works by these people and being probably being moved by them and wanting to experience them and kind of using these stories as like a a replacement for not having them in, in his real life yeah that's a good that's a good thought i didn't think about them that way that they're all philosophers who are writing about like the important things in life. Yeah. So yeah, after that, like I said, when, when he doesn't show up to the, the meeting is when Chucky is giving him his speech after, you know, they're having a beer at the truck after the, after work, after their construction job. And Will's like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to be here in 20 years. We're going to have a house next to each other. Our kids are going to play together. We're going to go to the, we're going to the game or whatever. And Chucky's like, you're my best friend. So don't take this the wrong way. But I'm going to kill you if you're here in 20 years and we're still just drinking beers and going to the Patriots game. Like that would be an insult to me and every guy out here. Like that wishes we had what you have. Yeah. And he's like, you know, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but he sits there and 
you know, it's all kind of sinking in that now that everybody in his life is telling him these things. Yeah. Uh, and now they get to chug their beers and get back to work uh, with yeah. <laughs> heavy machinery. I thought, they were, I thought they were actually done work for the day, but they, maybe not. They might have been. Uh, <laughs> it looked like it was, uh, you know, dusk probably, but... I do appreciate that Chucky are, has like kind of accepted his role in, you know, accepted his fate or his role in the world is like, this is going to, you know, in 20 years, you know, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be 50 and I'm still going to be doing this job and I'm still going to be drinking this beer and that's fine. He's like, that's me. I have, a, I accept that basically, but he doesn't accept that for Will because he knows he has the potential to be so much more. Yeah. And again, offended for not even... Again, he's not trying and failing. He's just not even trying. So yeah, and that's what really pisses Chucky off, is that we yeah. all we all want out, and uh, you actually yeah. have a ticket. And yeah, that's what he's always gonna say. He's got the winning lottery ticket, yeah. and you're you're too much of a pussy to cash it. Yeah, yeah. And then I think right after that is the scene. Yeah, well, there there's so many powerful scenes in in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the standout it's not your fault yeah uh yeah and just it's amazing that repeating four words <laughs> eight times or however many times he says it is just just watching will go from i know i know and he's then like pushing him away and then finally embracing him and breaking down entirely it's just you know that scene always gets me as well yeah uh in the um lessons from the screenplay video about Good Will Hunting, they point out how, like, the whole movie is about breaking down Will's walls and his defense mechanisms and how, uh, in that scene, Will actually kind of rotates through his usual defense mechanisms where first he just tersely hmm. denies it and then, like, he laughs it off. Then, like, he gets physical with it and tries to push Sean away and just, like, uses all of the mechanisms that he usually uses and none of them work until he can't help but just kind of break down and cry and start to accept it. Wow. Hmm. That's a, that's a great dissection of that. I, I never realized that. I wish I could take credit for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad we just, I'm just glad to know about it. It's great. Well, he's, he's finally like able to let himself cry like, Edward Norton, basically, he's like <laughs> finally able to let his guard down and cry, yeah. and let some of these things go, and realize that like these people care about me. I need to, you know, I need to change some things, and he does. Yeah. Well, first, first he goes go to the to the McNeil inter- interview or job, whatever it is. But yeah. I can't remember if I pointed this out last year or not, but. At this point, even taking that job is just the safe, like, easy decision. Right. Like, it's being handed to him, and he could just do that and do it forever, probably. And it's still in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't yeah. have to leave. Um, yeah, he just has to drive to Cambridge every day, so his his friends get him a car for his 21st birthday. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that he's willing to like push paper and you know, you know, stare at people in a room and sit in a room and solve math problems all day. The fact that he's even willing to do that is is a st- big step forward. Yeah, but but it's not going to actually make his life any better. It's just going to get him a little more money. Right. Um, which is why he doesn't take it, and instead yeah. uh, leaves a little note, gives it to his friend Sean. What What's it say? It says, 
if anybody asks where I went, tell them I had to go see about a girl. <laughs> Son of a bitch stole my line. <laughs> Arguably, also one of the best lines in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> An ad lib from Mr. Williams. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, there, there was another ad lib in there that I remembered from the beginning. Oh, the when he's walking out the door and he says, Little Bo Peep. And when walk, Will walks out the door and he says, fuck you. And Sean says, you're the shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that was a Robin Williams ad lib also. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, it's a good one. Well, uh, even though we, I think we've already talked about a lot of them, do you want to take a break and uh, come talk about yeah. lessons? Let's do. Lessons? Yeah, lessons coming up. And we're back. Hey, we're back. Hey, we haven't referenced Scrubs in this episode yet. Yes, we have. Have we? Yeah. We compared what the we TA oh. to Dr. Stedman. Uh, see, I don't even realize we're doing it anymore. <laughs> it's just so baked in. I was like, no, I referenced Garden State, but you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, forget that. Yeah. Uh, Zach Braff twofer. Um, <laughs> I didn't actually write down any lessons on this one. But, uh, I'm going to freeball it. Okay. Enjoy. Feel feel the freedom. Um, feel the rhythm. Well, I'll tell you my first one if you'd like. Um, Please. I wrote, uh, sometimes you have to let go of what you love. Um, I wrote that uh, Chucky has to let Will go because he knows he has all that potential that's being wasted doing manual labor and drinking beer with his friends. Um, I wrote that it's, it's hard to look outside of your personal relationships and see people as individuals sometimes, but when you step back and realize that it's not a personal attack to you, uh, it's them doing what they need to do, you can, you know, let go a little more easily. And in this case, Will has to let go of the idea that life is just about hanging out with his family of friends, basically, and he has to, like, you know, it, it he has, he owes it to them in a way to use the gift that he has. As like as Chucky says, it's like an insult to us if you stay here and keep doing this because we have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Chucky also realizes that it's a, a safety blanket for Will, but he, you know, right. he just doesn't have the capacity to help Will in in any sort of way. Well, I think that is the way he helped him by you know basically ripping off that bandaid and saying, "Look, you're my best friend, but I need you to leave. Basically, like you need to go." So he he is a he is a good friend. Like despite oh yeah, he's a good friend. Not only that, he'll jump out of the car and beat somebody up for him, no questions asked. Is that really a good friend? Tell him. <laughs> but I mean, it's a good friend in if you're from Southie, the in, you know in that South Boston community. Yeah. You know that's what it is. Like you you show your love with your, that's your love language is fists. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like, but he also does it in the way that he really needs to. Like he he tells him what he needs to hear, and basically like pushes him away which is pushing him toward where he, you know, he should be going yeah. and doesn't like let him like, you know, kind of stew back there and, and, and get stuck in this place. Yeah. Although it's interesting. He doesn't do it until Will says out loud that he doesn't ever plan on leaving. So, so right. may, well, that's, that, that's so true. Maybe he was, but I, I mean, maybe that Will would come to that decision on his own, but yeah. And I mean, you know, it's probably, I mean, it's gotta be hard for Chucky too to tell his best friend to leave you know as much as he loves the guy like he wants to keep doing this he doesn't really want it to end 
Yeah. But in a way, like he knows it has to. He doesn't want Morgan to sit in the will. front seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Morgan was Morgan actually was probably the happiest that <laughs> that Will left because he finally gets to take the front seat of the car. But yeah, I think the fact that like it's hard to see people as individuals. Like I think this is like a good a good example of that. Definitely is like looking at your parents. Like you see parent, you see your parents or you, you, as as the people that raised you, and in a certain way, you don't really see them change. You don't. It's hard. It's a little bit harder to come to the point where you see them as individual people outside of your view of them and they're just like living a life like like everybody else is so being able to see someone as an individual not attached to you in any way and that whatever is best for them doesn't include or really affect you is a really challenging hurdle to get over but ultimately the best thing for a relationship would be, you know, you, you might end up having an even better relationship because of that. Yeah. You know, sometimes to see your parents as individuals, you just need a D- DeLorean time machine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So your mom can seduce you. Yeah. Um, I'm like you. I try to seduce your dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, seeing, seeing people as themselves and not their relationship to you is, is rather difficult. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get value out of that relationship and seeing them as an individual forces you to give up some of that personal value you, you receive. It's hard not to feel a little selfishness in those situations where you're like, but, but I'm going to lose you. You know, like if you go to this college or if you move here and take the job that your dream job or whatever, then I I am going to lose you. Like you, we, we're seeing it from our perspective. You have to look outside yourself. Yeah. And give them, you know, have have that empathy like Sean has. But a tangential like to that would be like as as good friends, it's our job to tell our friends the hard truth sometimes. Sometimes they just need somebody who they care about to just give them that swift kick and say, this is real talk. This is what you need. <laughs> this is what you need to hear right now. Yeah. And uh, luckily for Chucky, Sean had gotten well to a point where he was a little more willing to hear it. Um, yeah, because that's yeah, that's part of the hard part too. Like you yeah. can talk to people, you know, you can tell people the truth all they want, but if they're not ready to hear it, then it's yeah. not going to do anything. Boing flip. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get it in. Had to. Um. Yeah, I, well, I also wrote down that everyone, like this This is also in, in a similar similar vein, but that everyone is damaged and psychological scars don't always heal, but they hide and then present themselves in unexpected ways. And we have to give each other a, a break a little bit and, and give each other the benefit of the doubt to know that life has kind of been hell for everybody in different ways and the psychological things that, they're going to manifest in in a ways that we can never predict. And the people who are defensive to our advances are not necessarily responding to us, but responding to their previous trauma. So, you know, defense mechanisms are really hard to get rid of and that they're strong. So breaking down those walls is is difficult. And it's sometimes hard for the other person on the other side to realize that it's not personal and it's not about you, but you have to be patient and understanding with people. Yeah. 
Um, like, you know, Will, as we said before, sees a lot of things as, you know, they're the people who have the money and the people who don't have the money. But he doesn't, for a second, consider that Skylar wishes she didn't have the money that she has because she only got it as an inheritance when, when her father died. Um, right, exactly. And, you know, she'd rather have her dead than, than have the money. And it's just, you know, not something that Will would ever think that someone with money would ever wish they didn't have it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's just an easy judgment that he makes about her without knowing the, the, the real story. And, you know, he keeps talking about the money until she tells him that and kind of uh, drops that that bomb on the, on him that, you know, she got the money as an inheritance. But she would happily give it all away to see her dad one more day. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry if I put the onus of lessons on you on this one. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I have a couple more here. I I mean, one of the, I mean, this, this one's just a quote that Sean said, but I feel like it, it really is a, a good one is that you'll have bad times, but they're going to wake you up to the good stuff that you've been missing or you've been overlooking all this time. And that, I mean, that just says it all right there. I mean, it's just, you know, you're going to have bad times with people, but then, if you get into these arguments, like, like Will got into this fight with Skylar, you know, you're going to sit there and stew and think about the bad stuff for a little while, but then you're going to realize all of those little things that your partner did for you or your partner brought into your life that you've kind of been taking for granted. And it's really easy to start taking little things for granted. So like being able to be mindful of mindful and uh taking the time to appreciate what someone does for you uh whether that's something they actually do for you or something they provide for you in emotional comfort or anything being mindful of those things and remembering them on a on a on a regular basis is can can only be good for your relationship because if you if I get into the next one, I'm going to say <laughs> there's always negatives that you can find, but you can, uh, if you, if you try to see the positive in people, I think that, uh, you can only grow your, um, your bond that you have with somebody. Yeah. And I, I mean, sometimes seeing the positive, uh, is a, a challenge, not because people aren't positive, but I think so many of us are so used to or attuned to the negative aspects of everything that yeah and it's much easier to figure out why you don't like something than why you do like something because uh, the why you like something is usually a lot more nebulous um but i don't know not getting focused on that negative energy is very positive <laughs> yeah for sure um Actually, what you said in the beginning there just reminded me that this is like a lot like Fight Club, where like you're focusing on like the comfort. You're always looking for the comfort around you, and then when you lose that one bit of comfort, all you can see is the negatives instead of the possibilities that might open up. Which is was my my final lesson that I wrote down was that you can always find negatives in something, but you have to take a chance on happiness. Like you're always going to find a reason not to do something, but you have to take a leap and take a chance on happiness. But Will is surrounding himself, surrounds himself with people that 
will do anything for him, basically. Like, so he's in this bubble, a lot like Lambo is in this bubble of academia that does, you know, will bow down to him and kind of give him what he wants. So he's not really used to hearing, you're not, he's not really used to the pushing, having to push back against something because he's around people who don't say no to him. If they say, let's go fight this guy, they're going to say, all right, where's he at? So when he starts getting this pushback, he is immediately defensive of it. And then when he thinks like, well, Skylar might hurt me or I might get hurt if I take a chance on Skylar, then, you know, he's afraid to jump into that. He's not ready to to step out of the comfort that he has surrounded himself in. Yeah. And then relative. Comfort. And then he has to deal with the fact that he hurt himself by breaking up with Skylar. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> that's and that's the rub, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the only decision that he ever really regrets uh, in in the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to, tr- if you try too hard to avoid pain, you're going to find it anyway. <laughs> you're you're going to find it in loneliness. You, it, you'd rather take it, you're better off taking a chance and ha- having your heart broken at some point down the road than f- keeping yourself alone. I mean, this is like the lesson that Sean is kind of learning also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's putting his cards and he's putting his money back on the table and seeing what kind of cards he gets dealt. Yeah at the end well i mean if you're always looking for the negative then that's what you're going to find right so like well right he, you find what you're looking for one yeah, way or another like sean even points out to will that like you're never going to make a decision if all you see is the worst way it could end yeah which is i, I mean yeah. and will does that several times in the movie he does that when Skyler invites him to california he does that after at that job interview with you know, why don't I just shoot my friend, give his job to his worst enemy. Sworn enemy. Yeah. Club of Baby Seal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love that NSA scene yeah. also. Um, but yeah, actually, that, that's a good, that, that that's just, an, that's another good way to say that you could, instead of not just looking for the negatives, like if you focus on the positive instead of the negative, then more often than not, you're going to end up finding something positive. Yeah to dwell on instead of the, the, the maybe potentially minor negative that's in yeah, there. That's what Sean did. Yeah. He saw that girl yeah. and he thought this could be something good and uh, went, went yeah. for it and it paid off. Yeah. Take chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would have been nice to catch that game though. Didn't know Pudge was going to hit a homer. <laughs> it was worth saying it twice. I agree. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was good. I I definitely feel much better about this uh, episode than you know. I didn't go back and listen to the first, as I said. Me neither. But uh, for anyone who's made it this far, you've earned knowing that I didn't actually watch the movie for the first episode. <laughs> I think I think we we mentioned that at some point. I probably I don't know if I it was in that episode, but I think it came up in another episode. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, definitely, I mean, any, honestly, any excuse to watch this movie is a good excuse. (laughs) So, no, I agree. Like, um, yesterday I was like, maybe I'll do what Don did last year and I'll be the one who didn't watch it this time. (laughs) I I think I know it well enough to talk about it, but then, you know, why would I not watch Good Wanted? Yeah. I was going to say, there's no reason not to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the movie that should have won Best Picture for 1997. Yeah, welcome to season two, everyone. Thanks for sticking around this long with us, and we look forward to a whole season of fun 
and new movies. So if you have any suggestions for us, movie-wise or uh, topic-wise, feel free to drop us an email at imitatingart1 at gmail.com or send us some messages on social media at imitatingartpod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to reach us individually, you can find me at Big F and Moose pretty much everywhere. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Don't Worry I'm Finite, uh, on Twitter at Don Is Finite, and YouTube.com slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. So once again, thanks for sticking with us through the, the full year of episodes, and uh, it has been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. Did, did we really sign up for a whole other season of this? Hey, I just heard one of our listeners. <laughs>